Hey, Kimberly. Hi. So you can look to the uh, book of Malachi. Uh, I need to hand this thumb, thumb drive, dumb drive, uh, thumb drive to my wife because it has the PowerPoint on it, which I didn't load on the computer. So we'll give her a minute. And uh, so we're going to be introducing this book today to us. And uh, as she's loading that up, let me just give you a little bit of a, a background. Uh, being the last book in the Old Testament is positioned in our Old Testament as the last book. Uh, if you look at the Jewish last book of the Old Testament, that's uh, different. Okay. Um, interestingly enough, God knew what he was doing even between the two translations of the Bible that we use. In the last book of the Jewish Old Testament, it ends with Second Chronicles. Okay. The content of every book is the same, but the books are in different orders. So the last thing that is read in the book of Second Chronicles is a command for the children of Israel to gather back in Jerusalem. And that's what we're waiting for, for the Jewish people, is they need to gather back in Jerusalem. They're going to rebuild the temple. The, you know, uh, the tribulation period is going to be set up to, uh, to occur. God knew exactly that. Our Old Testament ends with the book of Malachi. Okay? And one of the amazing verses we're going to be looking at in, in a moment to remind us of this sort of vision that Malachi is having from the Lord um, We'll see in chapter 4 in a minute where it says to look forward to Christ, the Son of God, coming again. That's why it ends our Christian. So even God knew that between the Old Testament for the Israelites and the Old Testament for a New Testament, New Testament believer. The books are in a different order because the focus of what we're looking for is different. Okay? God wants to use the children of Israel, and they have to gather in Jerusalem to do so. God wants to meet with his people. He's going to call us home pretty soon, and we're supposed to be looking for his coming. Okay? So with that in mind, this book of Malachi has in a very dark time in history for Israel. Uh, you, we're going to see as we look at an overview starting next week, and then we'll break it down as we go through it, that there's a lot of things going on, even with the priests, and we just got done with the book of the priesthood, studying all those things that God wants us to do as priests. Now we're going to look at some of the things that, as we got closer and closer to this dark period of time, and I call it that not only was it dark because of what was going on in the world, but also we're setting up for 400 years of silence that God did not speak or minister between the Old Testament and the New Testament. So there's a lot of things hinging here. Um, but the focus that you and I need to remember and what I wanted to, to introduce to us is that we need to be looking at this world with spiritual sight. Okay, That there are so many things going on around us, but we need to remember to look for things that aren't easily seen when we just look at this regular world. Now, I think I, we can focus on this a little bit better. Uh, I can say that better. If you and I are only seeing the dark things that are going on in this world, it can be very disappointing. It can be very weighty. And it can just all out be a bummer. And it can bring us down. But when you and I as believers realize that there is a God who is in control of this universe, and if we would focus on the things that you can't see, it changes your perspective. 
And so that's what we're going to be looking at a little bit today, reminding ourselves of a couple of things. So that's a setup for this. Um, probably won't be the longest sermon, but I've said that before and gone for an hour. So you hang on to your, you know, we'll see what happens. Amen. So let's go ahead and have a word of prayer, and then uh, we'll begin to look at this book. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word. And Lord, we're looking at a, a book that, Lord, you call out a lot of difficult problems that are going on with the children of Israel at this time. And Lord, so when I say it's a dark time, it's not necessarily a judgment of mine. You are um, reminding them of areas in which they are failing. Um, Lord, and then you're about to do something amazing. There's a transi transition that's going to come. The first advent of Jesus himself is coming. Lord, and there's a waiting period. There's a time of darkness. There's a, it's, it's a difficult time. And Lord, I think about us today, and there's such amazing reflection of this, Father, that we know that time is short. But Father, so did the Apostle Paul. He thought time was short. So did Peter. Lord, all through our history of the, the New Testament church, Lord, we keep saying, you're coming, and it won't be long. And Lord, Every day that ticks by, we know it's closer, and we're in a holding pattern. We're waiting, and we're watching this world get darker. And Lord, it just seems like there's a, there's a silence. And Lord, it's just so amazing how these two things play out together. So here's this book of Malachi, just before this time, where you're, they're just waiting. They're seeing what you're doing. They're trusting that you're going to do something, and Messiah comes. Well, now, Lord, as, our, as uh, your church... Lord, we know your promises. We've seen that you're coming. We know you're working. But Lord, it's, we're waiting. We're just bated breath. We want, even so, come quickly, Lord. We want it so bad. And we're waiting for that next step. And so, Father, there's so many parallels that we can look at. And Father, I just pray that you guide our minds, teach us what we need to. But especially today, there's an amazing truth that uh, we can wrap our minds around. While we are still here, how do we handle what's going on? So, Lord, just bless, be with my mind. Uh, Lord, help it to speak um, those things that you would use to help us all to grow. Lord, Holy Spirit, teach us. Father, thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, Malachi, introduction. Just the first verse is all I'm going to read. Okay, because introduction. No, we'll read a few, a few more verses. So, um, the burden of the word of the Lord by Israel, to Israel by Malachi. I have loved you, saith the Lord, yet we say, wherein hast thou loved us? Was not Esau Jacob's brother, saith the Lord? Yet I loved Jacob, and hated Esau, and laid his mountains and his heritage to waste for, drag, for the dragons of the wilderness. Whereas Edom saith, we are impoverished, but we will return and build in desolate places. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, they shall build, but I will throw down. They shall call them, uh, excuse me, they shall call them the border of the wickedness and the people of, against whom the Lord hath indignation forever. So you see the setup here. We're already within the first verse talking about some awful stuff going on. That uh, there are nations that are going to step up and resist god and we'll talk about edom and we'll talk some of breaking that down a little bit but god says listen they're going to set themselves up but don't worry i'll take care of it so we're already seeing god's judgment set up so there's going to be a lot of things that we're going to look at but that's not what i want to focus on this morning okay the first thing i want to focus on 
is Malachi encourages us to see the light in darkness. We talk about that all the time. As we live in this world and it seems to be getting darker and darker and darker, that should be a reminder that the light will shine brighter. Okay? Um, my wife and I go out and check our chickens every night. When we take them out, we put the chickens in. Chickens are fine. The ducks are dumb. They won't go in. I've got to go out there and chew some ducks inside. But I used to just run, flip the light on outside in the front yard and then walk around back with a flashlight. And my wife, I didn't know better. My wife says, why do you flip the light on? <laughs> Excuse me. Just walk out there, let your eyes adjust for a minute, and you can see pretty easy. We have them little tiny lights, you know, those $1 ones from Walmart that just light the path. And if you, all of a sudden, it's amazing, if you don't get bright light shined in your face, when you walk around in the dark, those couple of little lights actually shine just enough light you can see. So even the tiniest little light is enough to shine in the really dark place. Okay? Granted, if I'm going to tr- try to fix my hair, which is almost impossible anymore, okay, that I want a bright light. I want to be able to see. I'm looking to clean up. You know, I want to make sure I don't have anything in my teeth or anything. But if I'm, just, if I'm in a dark place, it, not much light does it take to actually shine. Okay? And what's funny is I can stand over here at church at night and I can see the little tiny lights from all the way over here. When it's really dark, the lights actually shine amazingly. Now, those tiny little lights, if you're in the middle of the kitchen, you turn that thing on, you can barely see it. I mean, sometimes they're, they shut off because they're light sensitive, but a candle does nothing when you have all the lights on. But if it's really dark, even the dimmest light will shine. Well, we have to remember, we don't have a dim light. We've got a very bright light to focus on. Even in the darkness, if we would stop looking at how dark it is and start remembering that there's a light that's shining, okay, not only Lord Jesus Christ himself in this universe and all of creation, but in us. He calls us the light of the world. So keep that in mind when we're looking here. Uh, so Malachi, he's looking forward to something coming. Now, how many of you, this is your permanent home for the rest of eternity? Right here where you are. Okay, I, uh, this world's not my home. I'm just passing through. Okay, um, there's something that we need to remember is coming for those who have surrendered their lives to be uh, to the Lord Jesus as Savior. Malachi chapter 4, verse 2, he says, But unto you that fear my name shall the Son of Righteousness arise with healing in his wings. And ye shall go forth and grow up as calves from the stall. You and I need to remember that the son of righteousness, now this is a prophecy. Uh, We can get into this a little bit more when we get there. I won't go deep into it today. But we're talking about the Lord Jesus Christ coming again. Is that where your focus is? Okay, that's what we need to remember. We can look at these dark things going on around us and nations and presidents and crazy people and everything else that's going on in this world and focus on those things. But if you and I continue to remember that Jesus Christ is coming again, I don't belong here. I'm here for a short period of time, Lord, and we're fighting this battle between the flesh and the spirit every day, but this isn't home. Something is coming that's been a promise, and God doesn't break his promises. So he begins this book talking about, listen, there's some stuff that's coming 
But he ends it with, remember, the son of righteousness is coming with healing in his wings. As bad as it's going to be able to get here, God will take care of it all. So that's the part that you and I need to focus on. We need to remember to see the things that aren't evident. When people in this world think about it, they don't know that Jesus is coming and God's going to take care of this whole bit. If they did, then they'd be believers. Okay? They're blinded to these issues. They're focusing on the stuff that's around us. We need to be able to see things that are not easily seen. We need to open our spiritual eyes. The Son of Righteousness is coming. So, with that in mind, I want to just walk us through this. Because if we do that, then there's a natural response that we should have. Okay, so next slide. You need to focus on what we see. So turn with me. I didn't want to write, put this whole thing up. Turn with me to 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 1. Keep your finger in Malachi, but 1 Peter chapter 1. Verse 6. Wherein ye greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, you're in heaviness through manifold temptation. I don't know about you, but you in heaviness? Man, I look around in this world and see all the mess that's going on, and it can weight on you heavy. I don't know about you, but sometimes it does if I focus on that stuff. Look at verse 7. That the trial of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perisheth, though it be tried by fire, might be found to the praise and glory and honor at the appearing of the Lord Jesus. So again, he reminds us that, listen, the stuff that you're going through, God is using those things. It's a trial of your faith, right? That you may be coming forth as gold. We, uh, in Guys that are studying Job with me on Wednesday night, we talk about this, that Job says, listen, I'm, I'm being purified like gold, like the gold of Ophir, he talks about in the scriptures. Okay, God says, listen, don't be distracted by the darkness. Trials are going to come into your life, but look at this next verse, and this is where sometimes we don't go this far. The trying of our faith work of patience. All right, thanks, Lord. Verse 8. Who, having not seen we love, in whom, though now we see him not, yet believing, ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. You see what God is saying here? He's saying, listen, we, I would love in my heart, I say, man, wouldn't it be great to have walked the streets with Jesus and seen him do all these great miracles and, and watch all those awesome stuff that he did. But the word of God over and over reminds us that those of us who see him, who love him, who serve him, who we haven't seen, can have joy unspeakable. And this is where I want to focus. This is where, because some of the stuff we're going to talk about in this book of Malachi is a little deep, a little heavy, as God's judgment is upon the darkness and the people who aren't doing what they should be doing. But the goal, remember, about five weeks ago, we talked about in Leviticus, if you serve God the way he designed us to serve, he will bless you abundantly. If you're not going to serve him, eh, not so much. But if we would serve him, because we have our eyes and our focus, and we can see those things that are not easily seen in this world. Okay? Um, I have to refresh my memory every morning to remind myself that God is moving in this world. 
because you open the newspaper or check your phone or turn on the television or anything else and you see shootings and murders and you see all kinds of ridiculous things happening in the name of law and order and you find legislation and people who are in power positions just acting absolutely moronic. And again, if, you, if that's where my focus was, boy, it's easy to throw our anchor around your neck and just sink. But when we focus on that one who we cannot see and understand that there's something so much bigger in this world going on than we can process because we just don't see it. You know, please, I'm not talking about mystic. Woo, I need to get, you know, in meditative state so I can see these invisible things. No, my big God is doing bigger things than I'll ever understand. That's the point. He's got the whole thing taken care of. And we'll look at that here in a second. Let's go to the next slide. Look at what God said about Old Testament believers. They believe in that same home that you and I are headed to someday. He says, uh, all these died, this is that faith chapter in Hebrews chapter 11, not having received the promise, but having seen them afar off. And were persuaded of them and embraced them and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. You and I are strangers and pilgrims. We need to focus and remember that there is a place afar off that's coming our way. We don't see it now, but it's coming. Next slide, or next verse. Hebrews chapter 11, it says, By faith Moses, and you go down two verses, he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. Who are you looking at? Are you seeing the unseen? Are you looking at that one who is invisible, knowing that there's something afar off? Where's our focus? Next part. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen. Now that sounds a little different, doesn't it? Invisible things are seen clearly. If you're focused the right direction. Okay? Okay. Being understood by the things which are made, even his eternal power and Godhead. And we'll hit that in a minute. So that there is, they are without excuse. God says, listen, it is not impossible to see the invisible things in this world. If we would make sure our focus is in the right place. Okay, next slide. We look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are here temporal. But the things that are not seen are eternal. Getting the imagery from God's word, we need to look with spiritual eyes at stuff. We need to stop focusing on all this dark stuff going on and all these temporal, non-eternal things that are not going to last forever and focus on those things. Listen, I haven't received my home yet. It's afar off, but I know it's coming. And that's where my focus needs to be. And his eternal power in Godhead. Hit the next slide if you would. So what should we see? God is always working. His eternal power and Godhead. He is continuously, every moment of every day, in control of everything that goes on. Oh, but your pastor, you're going to have to have a surgery here soon. What, 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 what's up with that? God knows. Maybe there's a nurse or a doctor or somebody in the hospital who needs to see a Christian's light shine. Okay. Maybe I'm going to speak in tongues when I'm under anesthesia. <laughs> okay? I don't know. But if I focus on, 
I'm going to have to go through this whole thing to fix this old body. That's great. Focus on that if you want to. Or I could focus on there's a God of this universe who's got everything under control, and for some strange reason, this is what come by my way, and I'm going to have to live it for him. What are you focused on? This world's not my home. What if you die on the operating table? <laughs> Don't threaten me with that. I mean, it'd be a bummer for my wife and kids, but man, I know where I'm going. I finally graduate. Amen? He is sovereign. God is in control of everything. He is omnipotent. That word again, for those of you who aren't familiar with it, means all-powerful. Not half-powerful, not 99.9% powerful, all-powerful. Nothing happens without God's okay. Where's my sight? What am I looking at? But you know, Pastor, all the crazy stuff going on in this world, there's burnings and murders and all. He's in control. Sometimes he lets, he gives us enough uh, to hang our own selves. Someday, and the book of Romans talks about this, people are going to stand up and say, God, but God, we as humans, we achieve such a great place in our understanding and our culture, and aren't we amazing? <laughs> and God's going to start playing back all the stupid stuff that's going on and say, you guys really think you're okay? It's a reminder over and over that this world is a sinful place that needs a cure, and it's Jesus. We need to stop focusing on the terrible things and focus on the almighty, powerful God. Next part. He is omnipresent, and I like this. Uh, everywhere, every when, always. I like every when. Let your brain wrap around that one for a little while. My wife read me something that, uh, for those who are science nuts, uh, this will make your brain flip over. Um, it said, if somebody invented time travel, then you'd actually realize that it always existed. Let give that one out for a minute. Okay? But God, the creator of this universe, almighty, all-powerful God, is every when. So he hears the words I'm speaking right now and the thoughts in your mind right now and he sees Christ on the cross and he's speaking with Adam and he sees us in eternity all in one shot. We're the ones limited by time. Don't put God in a box. Remember who he is. He is almighty God. And there's nothing that happens in our lives that's going on that he's not going, I see it, I know, trust me. Next slide. So not only is God always working, God is always speaking. Because this is where it comes into how we begin to dissect this book and how we forget fit into the position that we need to understand. Okay, he is always speaking. Jeremiah says, call on me and I will answer thee. I love that. You realize there's never, ever, 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 been one time that God didn't answer you? Yes, there is. I remember I asked for things. I didn't get it. Well, God told you no. Doesn't mean everything you ask him for and all the time you talk to you, you're going to get the positive answer that you want. He's the one in control, not you. But the worst one, I don't mind to know. Oh, wait. I hate wait. In many ways, Okay. When God, you say, God, could you do something? And he says, wait. 
But are you going to take it? Wait. I've got a plan. But you don't understand. Wait. That's where you and I are. That's where this is happening, where this is setting up. God made all these promises to Israel and Messiah and everything. And all of a sudden, the book of Malachi ends with silence for 400 years. God says, wait. Now, Jesus came 2,000 years ago. Said he's coming again, made promises. All these signs and things are lining up, and we're like, oh, we're right on the cusp. And God's saying, wait. Hey, you know what? Even Jesus himself said, only my Father, which is in heaven, knows exactly when the time is. Imagine for a minute where, I mean, again, please, we won't get into the whole Trinity thing, but Jesus himself is making it clear to us that I, as the Son of God, have deferred to the fact to know exactly what time this is going to happen. Angels in heaven don't know when it's going to happen. Wait. So you and I are hanging around saying, Almighty, all-powerful, everywhere, every when, God, you're doing what you're doing. i got to wait. He always, if you call on him, he will answer. But look what else it says. Okay, it says, uh, And show you great and mighty things which thou knowest not. Isaiah, thou hast heard... See, uh, thou hast heard, see all this, and I and will not declare it. I have showed thee new things from this time, even hidden things. God says, you know what? There's things I'll show you that aren't easy to see, but you've got to open your eyes. Stop looking at the temporal things in this world and start looking at the eternal. God's doing his job. He's moving. Next slide. The Lord is nigh to them that call upon him, to them that call upon him in truth. God wants you to know. I like this one. Look at Isaiah. It shall come to pass that before they call, I will answer. How do you like them apples? You ever had one of those things where something God is about to occur in your life and you know it's about to happen and God answers it before you even get a chance to ask him? I've had that happen. Lord, I have a need. And all of a sudden you turn around and God already provided the need. And you're like, I didn't even get a chance to ask you, God. He knows what we need before we ask him. Yeah, it's amazing how God does those things. Listen, he is all powerful. He is almighty God. We need to change our focus. And see those things of the invisible God that aren't seen easily in this world and remind ourselves this is not where i belong i have confidence in a home far off i can see things that aren't easy to see for others if i keep my focus right all right god is always speaking the question is are you and i listening there's the problem you know god is speaking every moment to us but are we tuned in Uh, I can answer that for me. <laughs> Not always. Where you ever have one of those situations where something occurs and you say, you know, I should, Lord, you know, I should have, I just should have. He was speaking to you, but you weren't listening. I've been there, done that. So he's doing things and we're not seeing him. He's saying things, we're not listening. This, keep going, <laughs> look at this. Is this is the reason why it's so important to be in God's Word every day? Well, Pastor keeps telling me he's going to check in a book to make sure I'm 365 doing my Bible reading. No, 
Are you looking into this world that we live in with spiritual eyes? Trying to see the unseen and hear God's voice talking to you every day because he's speaking? Are you listening? Because if you know what, if our focus is in the wrong spot, no wonder we get burdened down with all the stuff going on in this world because we're not focused on the right thing. Now, I am by nature an optimist. That's how God created me. You talk to me, that's generally how I am. Yes, I will get in the pity party mood every once in a while. But generally, I'm built as an optimist. I'm not, you know, the Eeyore. Woe is me. You know, my dad and I have a tease, and he teases with the kids, too, when he'll pick up the phone, you know, hello, and he goes, thanks for noticing me. You know, the old Eeyore line, you know. Some people have built that, you know, but as Christians, we don't have to be that way. Now, please, if you're an introverted person who's a little bit more pessimistic, you don't have to try to be an extroverted person who is more optimistic. Don't do that. You will fry your brain. But understand, God is all-powerful. He made you exactly who you are. You need to change your focus. You know, the problem with an optimist is an optimist can look at all the good things going on in the world and block out all the bad things because it doesn't fit in their optimistic thinking, so they kind of almost ignore that those bad things are going on. There are bad things going on in this world. Now, I'm not telling you to walk around with blinders going, nope, I, I don't think about the murders, I don't think about all this, you know, drugs, I don't think about all this other stuff going on, I don't put that into my mind. That's not the answer either. The answer is everything that God is doing, he is doing. Every moment, he is speaking. Are you and I listening? Now, that sets us up for getting into what this is all about, this book. Oh, <laughs> I missed this little part. He wants to communicate with you, so what's your excuse? You all got one. I got one. He wants you to be in his word. He wants to be, make sure you're listening. He wants to talk to you. Okay, He wants to communicate with you. Are you listening? What's your excuse? I'll let you think about that one. I'm not even going to figure that one out. Okay. The word Malachi means messenger or ambassador. This is the amazing part about this. So we think about this dark time in Israel and the dark time we live in now. We think about seeing things that are not very evident in this world. That there's an eternal, everlasting, almighty, all-powerful God that is running everything. He is sovereign. He's got everything under control. We need to have our focus there. And he's speaking to us and he wants us to listen. Well, in response to that, this book is written about a messenger. He says, Malachi, my messenger, is what the name means. So what are you and I? Okay, it also means angel in the Old Testament. You know, and again, the, word, the, the original word in the Hebrew can mean either. And what was an angel? An angel has come, someone who came down and delivered a message from God. Every time you see it, and it said there was an angel, this word, and he brought... Truth from God. This is what Malachi is doing. Hmm, I wonder what we're supposed to do. Huh. We're ambassadors, aren't we? We're going to look at that verse in a minute. We have a message from God. But how, you, how can you and I possibly 
deliver a message when we're not even listening to what the message is. Now I know we have the message of the cross, and please do not take this the wrong way. I am not diminishing that one bit. That is, the gospel of Jesus Christ is the answer. But that's not our only message, guys. There are things that go on on a daily basis in this world that affect every one of us. And if we're not listening to God to see things that aren't seen, Charlie, I'm going to use you a little bit, and I know this is a tough time, so I'm poking at your heart a little. His sister died unexpectedly of uh, like a brain bleed, just bled out inside of her head. 24 hours, she was gone. Never knew it was happening. And you can just think, how terrible a thing. And it is awful for a family. It hurts. But you know, at the same time, you think, Lord, thank you, God, for not help having her suffer a long time in the nursing home, wasting away to nothing. You could look at it as focusing on the terribleness of it, or you can turn around and say, but she's with her Savior. And it didn't take months of pain and anguish in a nursing home. God delivered her home like that. Now, again, I understand that's sort of a pessimist, but you're looking at things from spiritual eyes. How many times do we talk about that final graduation to heaven? We all think that dying is a failure. In God's book, dying is a graduation. It is, a move, it is the ultimate healing. Now, when we talk about it, listen, the son of righteousness is coming with healing in his wings. I can fight tooth and nail to be in this lousy old life. Or I can realize there's something better. And as long as God's got me here, I'm going to deliver a message. But until then, when that son of righteousness comes and arises with healing in his wings, oh, baby, it's coming. I'm so excited. But until then, I'm stuck in this world. But what am I looking forward to? Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. And go read the rest of that passage. He's coming again. This world's not my home. No wonder it's a nut house. But how can you and I bring a message if we're not listening? So there's a shooting, there's a vote, there's a legal action, there's, you know. Listen, look at it through spiritual eyes. Look at it for the things that we can't see. If you focus on the garbage, uh, that's why we are reflectors, right? We don't have any light. We talk about this. The image of the moon is a perfect image of a Christian. The moon does not have light of its own. It only 100% reflects the sun's light. If I came up and held a mirror, and I took that mirror and I pointed it like this, what would you guys be looking at? The ground, right? If I point that thing at the dirt, everybody's going to see dirt. If I take it and I point it like this, all of a sudden you look at me and I, you start seeing the sky, the sun, the light. We have to focus. What, are we, what message are we sharing? If all we're doing is going, oh, look at this stuff going on over here and how terrible that stuff is over there, that's what everybody's talking about. How about, you know what? Man, I can't wait to get out of this place. I thank the Lord that, you know, there are some people who do terrible things in this world, but God can change a broken heart. Take those things that you see in this world and point it in the right direction. 
I can wallow in the garbage too. It's easy. We'll read this and say, oh, the administration did it. Don't want to think about it. And believe it or not, guys, no matter how bad it gets, God says he puts into places of power exactly who he wants to be in places of power. Think you got it bad? We didn't live under Nebuchadnezzar or Pharaoh. God's in control, right? I got a one yup. Okay, good. Next part. Now then, you and I are ambassadors for Christ. Now, how weird would it be if you worked for the ambassador, but you had absolutely no idea what the guy thought? Well, they were, whatever. Whoever the ambassador is. Well, what, uh, you have to deliver a message. You are you're, uh, the ambassador for the United States. What is in the United States' position on this? Uh, I don't know. Well, isn't your job to come to our country and share the thoughts from the leadership in your country? Well, I guess. How, you, how and I, you, can you and I work in this world as believers if we're not listening to the message to be able to share it? Now again, I, I'm glad I'm not Malachi because the stuff that the Lord starts telling the Malachi, I'm like, Father, I don't want to deliver this message. Another one's Jeremiah. You read through Jeremiah, and Jeremiah, that weeping prophet, boy, I tell you what, some of the stuff that God told him to tell the children of Israel, no thank you. I, I'm an optimist. I'd rather talk about the good message. He's going to talk about some serious stuff here in a little bit, but we are ambassadors. We're supposed to deliver a message, but how can you deliver if you're not listening? Keep going. Oh, oh it's right there. What, kind of, what if a leader, what if the president... This one or any other one, uh, excuse me, called you and said, I'd like to set up a meeting. Well, I'm busy. I got other stuff to do. If you had an important message that the leader was telling you to deliver, don't you think you ought to meet with him and find out what's going on? Oh, I can make so many political comments right now, but I'm not going to. Edit, 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 edit. Okay. We want to make sure that if we have a message to deliver that we're listening to the one who's sending the message. That we're meeting with the one who's sending the message. And yes, we have a message of salvation, but there are a lot of other messages in God's word. <laughs> okay, If you're not meeting with them, how are you going to be able to tell other people this message? Keep going. Okay, God's messenger is the theme of the book of Malachi. Who is God's messenger? We are. Every one of us are here. That is the reason that we're left. If we were here only to glorify God, I can do a whole lot better job of that in heaven in a glorified body for eternity. Okay, the reason you and I are left on this planet is because he has a job for us to do in glorifying the Lord Jesus Christ and sending the message of salvation and his word. Okay, so yes, we are, this whole creation and us included are designed to glorify God. But we are left here in this old corrupt temporal earth because we are message deliverers. Okay, keep going. Oh, she's way ahead of me. Okay, examples of messengers in Malachi. Now, this is the cool part. There are five different times in this short book that we talk about different messengers. So that's why we know this is an amazing theme. Look uh, right there. 
Okay, Malachi, the burden of the uh, word of the Lord to uh, Israel by Malachi. He says, you are my messenger. Now, I like the phrase here, and I know it's not exactly what we think about like laying a, a big backpack on your back, the burden. But it isn't it interesting that in a world that's so dark and sinful and struggling that God says, you, there's a burden I want to give you, there's a load you need to carry, there's a work you need to do. How many ever find them telling the message of God's word easy? Now, in this setting, it's great. We come to church on Sunday and we say, hey, I want to share something with a reader, a prayer or an answer to prayer. Or, you know, we get together with God's folk, that's great. But you go out there and it's like, um, not easy to deliver a message, isn't it? Especially if the message is, you're in sin and God can fix you. This world's a mess, and God's the answer. These murders and things that are going on, it's not because somebody's uh, you know, uh, predisposed to a certain behavior. It's because of something called sin. It's not the easiest thing, is it? Sometimes a message can be a heavy message. It's a burden. Now, I'd let, man, if it was an easy message, wouldn't we all be going out all week long just sharing it with everybody? It's a burden. Okay, so he says, number one, you the prophet, you're going to be my messenger. Number two, the priests. He said, for the priests' lips should keep knowledge. They shall seek the law of his mouth, for he is the messenger of the Lord of hosts. Again, who are his priests? Us. Our lips should be delivering his message. That's the second one. Third one, John the Baptist, and we'll see a prophecy of him when we get to this chapter. Okay, that one crieth out in the wilderness, right? Behold, I will send a messenger. He will prepare the way before me. And again, what an amazing book ends the Old Testament with a thought that John the Baptist is coming to prepare the way of the Lord. Amen? And he says, um, Whom ye seek shall suddenly come into his temple, the messenger of the covenant, whom he delighted. Behold, he shall come, saith the Lord of hosts. That was number three. Number four and five? Moses is number one in the time of tribulation in 4.4. Remember the law of Moses, my servant, which commanded you to be out of Horeb with the statutes. Keep going to the next one too. God has messengers. Elijah, next verse. Behold, I will send Elijah the prophet in the coming of the great day of the dreadful, uh, dreadful day of the Lord. We know, guys who studied Revelation with me a couple years ago, that there are two prophets coming that are very in, uh, involved with the tribulation period, and they are Moses and Elijah. And here we see them prophesy that they are coming. Okay, they are messengers. So you get it? We need to see that God's still working. Understand he still has a message that you and I need to deliver. And this book focuses on messengers that will be coming. Four chapters, five messengers said, guys, we have a message to deliver. Keep going. The legend of Philippides. How many of you know Philippides? He's a guy that works at the, the uh, barbecue grill, right? Philippides. Hi, Philippides. It was Dan. He had a better joke. Dan's, uh, what was the tailor's name? Euripides, Imendides? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, so, so you have Philippides. Now, there's a legend. You'll recognize the story a little bit when we get into it. But it's an amazing thought uh, just to poke our brain a little bit. The Greeks were about to claim victory over the Persians in Marathon. So there you go. 
Where do we get marathons from? Why do we decide to run 26.6453, whatever miles it is? Why do we do that? Okay, legend has it, okay, that uh, they were about to run. However, what was going to happen is in this great battle, they didn't have cell phones, okay? They couldn't get on the, you know, one of the ships, one of the lead ships from the Persians turned and headed toward Athens, the head of Greece. And the understanding was if they reached the capital, the leaders that were in the, from the Persians were going to claim victory in the war and hoping that Greece would just give up because this great warfare with you know hundreds and thousands of soldiers and they were going to claim victory and the Greeks would just go, okay, well, they defeated our army. We got nothing left to fight with, so I guess they're in control. So Philippides sees this happening and sprints from Marathon all the way to Athens, which is 26 point whatever miles it is. How about we just say 26 for easy? Okay. Okay. If they if he if they reach there first, they could claim victory, and the leaders of Greece may might have just got, given up because they didn't know any better. So what happens is, Philippides ran that 26 miles from the marathon nonstop with a message that we won. He just wanted to go ahead and let the leadership of Greece know, no matter who comes and tells you, you've lost the battle. We haven't lost the battle. We've won the battle. You may not see it yet. You may not heard the message yet. You haven't understood that we are the victors. He wanted to make sure. Now what happens to poor Philippides is right on the spot he collapses and dies. Okay, now there are different names they put with different people here and everything, but this is the understanding that this guy ran that whole way to deliver a message so important, he got to the leadership of Greece and died on the spot after delivering the message. Talk about a run. That would probably be me if I tried to run 26 miles right now. My heart would pop right inside my chest. This is why added the Greek games, one of the first races that they officially put into the Greek games was this guy because he ran from Marathon to Greece to deliver this message. So important, this message, that this poor guy ran nonstop and died right on the spot from running it. Tell you the story because uh, how important is your message? How important is my message? Got something silly that we run a marathon every, you know, couple times a year in New York and Boston. And the, we recognize and, and celebrate this guy who's a, a legendary figure. We don't even know if he existed for sure. And celebrate the fact that what a great effort this guy put in. He delivered this message to, you know, to declare victory to the leaders of, uh, of Greece. And he dropped dead on the spot. Isn't he a hero? Well, isn't our message a whole lot more important than that? And when you think about the fact that the poor guy dropped dead on the spot and then go back to the verse where we just read it, it said the burden of Malachi the messenger. How important is the message we have to deliver? Are we looking at this world through the proper eyes? Seeing the invisible God, how powerful and mighty, and that he's got the incredible things that he's doing in this world. Do we understand that 
if we're not in contact with them every day, how are we going to deliver a message? How important is that message? Keep going. Think. Do you see God still working? Do you? Even in all this mess. Amen. Good. Is he always speaking? Yes, he is. Are we listening? Not always. I'm not going to paint this fruity picture. Not always. But should we be? Absolutely. Next one. How far will you go to claim that we've won? I don't care what goes on in this world. It's not my home. It's just a passing through. I see a home, a city, afar off. I haven't received the promise yet, but it's coming. Victory is already, I've read the back of the book. And we win. So we're going to look at some stuff here in the rest of this book. We're going to take an overview next week about some of the serious subjects he wants to talk about. But please remember, the theme here is that you and I have a message to bring to the world. And it may not be the easiest message. But how sold out are we to bring it? We just talked the last couple of weeks about how much are we willing to pay God to serve him. Well, if he owns all of us, it shouldn't be that much of a cost because it's his anyway. Now the question is, how far are you willing to go to deliver a message that he's left us to deliver? So we'll be looking at that in the next few weeks in Malachi. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I am amazed again, always amazed. Not that you are a great God in what you are doing. That just excites me. But I'm amazed that a God that is as all-powerful, omnipotent, omnipresent, everything that you are, chooses to use people like us to deliver a message. Lord, it just boggles my mind that you could have done anything in this universe for this message to be delivered, but you've chosen to put it in our hands. In, we read the verse, in our lips, the lips of your priests, to deliver this message. And so, Father, how serious is it? I know we look at this silly little legend about how we run marathon races because some guy died delivering an important message that was that important to him. Father, how much does that reflect our heart? That even if it kills me, I'm going to deliver your message. The burden of the word of the Lord to Israel by Malachi, your messenger. So I think the burden of the word of the Lord to Bethel Bible Church by the messengers here that sit in these pews every week. Father, please help us to understand that we are the ones left here to do this. And what a privilege that is. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.